Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me tonight to 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, we want to look at something tonight. Uh, I'm just simply calling your place in the body. Your place in the body. And uh, let's look at a, I said 1 Corinthians 12. Let's look at a couple of few statements concerning the church. Matthew chapter 16. And uh, verse 18. Jesus said, and I say also unto you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When the the word uses that phrase, prevail against it, in the Greek language it says this, they will not win one victory, not one. Well, the issue that, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this is because you're a part of something that can't be defeated. The church. The church locally, the church universally. And this is how we have to look at ourselves. Listen, you can't afford to get sidetracked with anything that's going on. You have to stay focused on what God said about you and your place in the church. Because that's where the victory's found. Amen. I'll make this statement. Listen, here's the bottom line. Whatever goes on in the world, it doesn't affect me. Because I'm not, I'm, the Bible says I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. Is that right? Amen. My leader doesn't change. My king is Jesus. I'm not, I'm, in reality, I'm not a part of a democracy. I'm a part of a theocracy where Jesus is king. So whatever happens in the world, it doesn't change what you are supposed to do. Amen. Notice Romans, uh, 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 Hebrews 10 and 25. Hebrews 10 and 25. Mm, Hallelujah. Actually, let's start in verse 23 because uh, just starting with verse 25, we lose something. He says, let us hold fast the profession or the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So notice he says that we are to consider one another, to provoke unto love. That word provoke is to prod 
or to spur on, all right, unto love and good works. Now, right there, that that would be a good enough statement. But then he tells us when we're supposed to do that, when we're assembled together. And he says, as believers, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Why? Because that's where things are imparted into you. When you're in the local church, that's where things come into your life spiritually. Pastor Caldwell made a statement on March 18th when he was here in the church. And he made this statement. It was the first Wednesday night uh, uh, when, when uh, a lot of this stuff in the world started. And he made this statement towards the end of his message. And he made it prophetically. Now, he doesn't claim to stand in that office, but it was a prophetic statement. And he said, and he looked right in the camera. And he said, pastors, listen to me. He said, through all of this, if you're not careful, you'll dumb your church down. And he said, because you'll just get used to live streaming it, and it's just easier to do it that way. And he said, you'll dumb your church down, and they'll start thinking, well, I can just stay home and watch church. And he said, when you do that, you'll dumb them down, you'll hurt them. And it does. Church is not entertainment. Church is an opportunity for something to come into my life that wasn't there previously. An impartation, a manifestation of the truth of the Word of God coming into my life. Amen. Do do you see that? And so I don't treat, and you don't treat as believers, we don't treat the place that we have a part in, that we're part of the body. We don't treat it like we treat anything else. This is not a YouTube video. Where I can just watch it if I want and don't have, right? Amen. I I don't approach it with that mindset. That, well, I'm just going to stay home and, and live stream tonight and, you know, pop some popcorn and sit here in my, in my fat clothes, you know, where my belly can flop around and be comfortable. <laughs> Mark Barclay called it underwear church. I don't call it that. Amen. But my, my point is it, it has its place. And there are people that I know that right now they can't get out. And I understand that. And I I appreciate that. I'm I'm not demeaning it. But what I'm saying is the first time I get an opportunity, the first time I'm capable and able, I want to be back in the body. Right? Because he said there's something that happens when I gather together and assemble myself with the church. That, that, That I begin to get provoked unto good works and love. Amen. And he says, don't forsake it. That doesn't mean you'll never miss church. It means I'm not going to forsake it. I'm not going to just walk away from it and act like I can do without it. Because you can't. You cannot be a strong believer and not come to church. It's impossible. Why? Because this is where the gifts are that the Bible says will mature you and grow you up and provide stability, right? I, I remember some years ago, I was taking some courses at the junior college in, in, in uh, uh, Johnson County, Kansas. And there, and there was a kid, I've told the Bible school students this, there was a kid there uh, that, that didn't do his homework, wouldn't show up at class most of the time, and, and then wondered why he struggled. Well, you're not where the information is being put out. 
right? Yeah. Our, our professor, Professor Sutherland, I really liked him. He would be going through something. He'd come to a point and he'd say, now make a note of this. Mark it. It's going to be very important on your test. Amen. You know, when you highlight those things and mark them, you've got information that somebody who's not there doesn't have. You catch something. The spirit of faith is caught as much as it is taught. The impartation that God gives you when you're in the local church, assembled together with those of like precious faith, is something you will get something tonight that will propel you tomorrow into something that God wants you to walk into. Amen. But I've got to be there. Notice Romans 1. Romans chapter 1. I love the local church. Every good thing that's ever come into my life came to me through the local church. That's where I found my wife. That's where I found my calling. That's where I found my gifting. That's where I found what God wanted me to do. Amen. It's not just a place for you to gather together and somebody gets to practice their preaching on you. It's a place for you to receive. Romans 1 and verse 11. Notice what Paul says. For I long to see you. To see you. (laughs) That what? That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Is that in your Bible? To what end, Paul? You may be established. That's, that's, That's the end result. Established, stable, solid believers are believers that come to church regularly. Because there's impartation that's flowing. And it's not just through the laying on of hands. Impartation occurs through different ways. You can receive impartation through the laying on of hands. You can receive impartation through conversation. You can receive impartation through teaching. You can receive impartation reading a book. But the best way to receive it is face-to-face impartation. So something is flowing into your spirit tonight that is an impartation just because you showed up. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians 12. God graces you for the places He'll send you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Mm. And, uh, oh Lord, there's so much here. That's good. Verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members... And all members of that one body being many are one body, so is Christ. For by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body, notice, is not one member, but many. If the foot will say, I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The answer is no. If the ear will say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Again, no. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now, here's what he's saying. And and, and this is an oversimplified way to look at it. But he's saying, if everybody's a nose, how are we ever going to hear? If everybody's an ear, how are we ever going to see? 
right? If, if, if your body, every part of your body works together, if you don't think that's right, just let one part start rebelling. Right? I, I remember one time I was playing with our kids. We, we were living in Nashville, and, and we were at a swimming pool. I, I worked at a certain place, and, and so all the amenities were available to us. And we were at this swimming pool, and I was playing with my kids. And I, I've always been a, a roughhouser with my kids, and so I was chasing them and throwing them in the pool. And, and you know, all the stuff that politically correct people can't do today, but I did it. <laughs> a- anyway, uh, amen. And, and I was running, and, and I was chasing my son, and I ran around this chair, and when I did, I hung my little toe on that chair. And it went just straight out that way. Oh, Jesus. Well, you know how big your little toe is. How come it to take me to my knees? Right? And when I reached down there and popped the thing back in place, right? How come it hurt so bad? Why did it affect my leg, my hip, my, right? Just a little toe. Right? It affects everything. If your foundation, if your feet are hurt, it affects the way you walk, it affects the way you move, right? If your shoulders hurt, it affects the way you sit, the way you lay, the way you can rest. Right? You need them all. You can have excellent hearing, but if you can't see well, you're at a disadvantage. You can see well, but if you can't hear, you're at a disadvantage. And there are people who say, well, you know, there are certain things you can live without, but do you want to? Is your life going to be as full as it could be if every member is not in their place? Right? So when you as a member of the body get in your place, it not only helps the church, it brings a completeness and a fulfillment to your life. Amen. Now notice, verse 18, But now God hath set the members, every one of them in His body, as it pleased him. Oh, that's good. Are you a member of the body? What's that? You are. And God has put in you what this body needs to help it be complete. Did he set him in the church as it pleased him? So whatever you are is what pleases God. Yeah, but I'm a hand. Right. And that pleases God that you're a hand. Because he set people in the body as it pleased him. And he said, if all were one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body? A lot of people have this tone. If I can't do this or that, then I don't want to do anything. Well, that's a wrong way of thinking because there's only one body but there's many members in that body. Amen. And God has set in the body every member. Understand something I learned years ago. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is the greenest where you're at. Amen. 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 
One, one person said one time, a lot of people think the grass is greener on the other side, but the fact of the matter is on the other side there's a septic tank. And that's why the grass looks greener. Amen. It's easy to imagine those kind of things. If, if this is where God placed you, then this is where you'll function best. Because this is the body God placed you in. Amen. And it's easy to imagine another person's life. Uh, uh, their call or something is better than yours. Their gifting is better than yours. But you don't know what it's like to be them. I've had people tell me, oh, pastor, you know, your life, oh, it's, it's just so wonderful. And I could, you know, I would love, now, now wait a minute, hang on, hang on. <laughs> right? I, I'm not complaining. I love it. I was talking to somebody the, the other day, and they said, you know, how do you, how do you prepare? How do you do this week after week? It's a grace. Yeah. God has graced me to do it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Do, do you understand that? I mean, if, if you just take Sundays, just Sundays, just Sunday mornings, that's 52 sermons a year. Sunday night, that's 104 sermons a year. I'm preaching somewhere on Wednesday night every week. So there's another 52 days. So now, now we're 156. That's my part. That's my place in the body. I love to do it. Amen. You don't know what it's like to be them. When, when, when you see somebody functioning in their place, that it looks so easy because that's their place. There's a grace for your place. Right? When you get out of your place, you lose the grace. Am I helping you? We should glory in what God's made us and be thankful. No, no, notice Romans 11, Romans 11 and uh, 13. Notice what Paul says. I speak to you Gentiles in as much as I'm the apostle of the Gentiles. Notice, I magnify my office. I magnify my office. We should glory in what God's made us to be and be thankful. Amen. Well, you know, this is what I do, and, and you know, the only thing I do is this. Yeah, but are you good at it? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good at it, and I enjoy it. Then magnify it. This is what I like to do. This is my place in the body. If we make a big deal out of the anointing and the graces in our life, that's not making a big deal out of ourselves. We didn't anoint ourselves. Not making a big deal out of me. A lot of people desire someone else's call and someone else's place, and that's a mistake. And I'll tell you why it's a mistake. That's second-guessing God. Whatever God graced you with and anointed you to do, He knew you'd be good at that. Hallelujah. There are a lot of believers that feel displaced. They're looking for where they fit and what they're supposed to do. God has not made His plan for us hard to find. People say, where do I discover it? In the local church. And the plan of God for your life is discovered in the local church. It's progressive with a narrowing goal. 
Right? You might start out in the local church doing three or four or five different things. I've held every job in the local church. I've been a youth pastor, children's pastor, AV guy, praise and worship, bass player, drum player. Amen. Usher, greeter, everything. There's not a job I haven't heard. I held janitor, all of it. But I didn't stay there. And when I say I didn't stay there, I don't do all those things anymore. It's progressive with a narrowing goal. But you will never see the narrowing goal part of it if you don't come and assemble yourself in the body and find out the place God has for you. Oh, glory. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 7. This is important. Well, you know, I just feel I need to be, you know, different places. So you mean that you don't want to make an impact anywhere? Amen. Every person watching online or under the sound of my voice, you have to have somewhere that you say, that's my church. That's where I go. Right? Why? Because that's where you're going to grow. It takes time. So 1 Corinthians 7, 7. I would that all men were even as myself. Paul means unmarried. But every man has his proper gift from God. One after this manner and another after that. So Paul's saying everybody's not gifted to be unmarried. Amen, Paul. That's me. Right? Hallelujah. But the point is, he says everybody has a gift after this manner or after that manner. And if you don't have that gift, don't worry about it. But what is your gift? Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and 7. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. But this is what we got to focus on. Lord, what do you have for me? What, what, what's my part in, in what's going on? Because here's the bottom line. Ever how long it takes, ever what happens in the world, everything according to Matthew 24 is going to get back to normal. Just going to. And, and it's the people that are prepared for what God wants them to do that's going to move into it. Amen. If, uh, Ephesians 4 and 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. See, so do you believe you have gifts and graces in you? Because he said, unto every one of us is given grace According to the measure of the gift of Christ. So, in other words, you have a measure of grace for the gift that God's placed in your life. I have people sometimes, they'll tell me, well, you know, Pastor, I don't want to bug you. How can, how can sheep bug a shepherd? Shepherds smell like sheep. Right? This is important because if there's anybody that you should bug when you have a question, a problem, should be your pastor. 
Call the church office. Amen. What will happen? Set up a time to meet with you. Talk with you. Right? That's my gift. That's my grace. I won't let you abuse the opportunity, but I won't deny you the opportunity. I'll help anybody till they show me they don't want help. What, what is that? That's the gift of the pastor. What does the book of Galatians say about the way a pastor approaches people? That we travail in birth again until Christ is formed in them. Is that right? That's a grace. Understand that. I, ha- I had leaders ask me one time, Pastor, how long I got to put up with that? And I said, again, until? Again, until Christ is formed in them. Now, now the reason I'm, I'm, I'm taking you here is that is the grace, that is the gift that is on my life. You have a grace. For the gift that God's given you, whatever it may be. It could be organizational. It could be planning. It could be a ministry gift. It could be a praise and worship gift. But there's a grace that goes with it. But you won't discover it. You won't walk in its fullness without being where it's meant to operate. I could take this gift of the pastor and go be very successful in the corporate world. I've done it. There are things that I looked at, I did in the corporate world that were the gift of God. It was the anointing of God on my life. Right? But that would be prostituting that anointing. That would be taking the anointing and the grace that I have on my life for something and using it in a way that God didn't want it to be used. You take the gift and the grace that God's given you to operate in the local church and you show up and you operate in it. And what happens? Impartation comes. Growth comes. You will never grow like you could not coming to church. You just won't. You just won't. Well, but we have church a lot. I know, so you can be here a lot. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. You You know that scripture we read? I don't read where it says, as the day approaches, lessen your services. I think it says, do it even more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all remember the days before you knew Jesus? (laughs) You didn't think about having a good time less. Right? No. No. We want to do more until we find our place and the grace that fits us for that place will never be satisfied, never be content, never be fruitful. The moment you find your place and the grace that comes with it, fruitfulness starts in your life. Amen. Remember what David said? He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to live in the pleasures of sin. In other words, just keeping, and David was the king. And he said, if I don't get to do anything else, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Are you following me? So whatever your place is, well, you know, all I do is this. Don't ever say, all I do is this. 
right? What, what if your eye said, I'm not going to work anymore because all I do is see. Right? And all of a sudden you couldn't see anymore. Would that be okay with you and the rest of your body? No, because it's important. So when someone says, well, all I do is this. Well, they're, they're, they're demeaning what God asked them to do. Hallelujah. Look at Acts 13. I'm glad I got a hold of this early on. Because when the Lord, when, when my life began to change, I, my mindset was just sign me up. Anything that's going on, sign me up. Janitor, got it. Vacuum, I'll do it. Amen. I, I, I remember one time, I remember one time, I, I didn't know, you know, protocol. Well, I did know, understand this. I, of course, I didn't come out of the world into the church. I was saved when I was eight. That doesn't mean I've been perfect. I made some stupid decisions. But here's the thing. So when I say I didn't know protocol, I didn't know the protocol in this church. All right? And it didn't make sense to me. My mindset is always, if you walk by something and it's broke, why don't you fix it? And so the ladies were constantly complaining because the toilet in the ladies' room was shaky. It rocked to and fro. And, one, and they did. One lady fell off. And, they, and, and, and I heard so many complaints. And finally one day I thought, why doesn't somebody fix it? So I just took my tools and went in the bathroom and, and all I had to do was tighten some bolts and, and reseat the thing. And, and there it is, tight. I'll have you know I was the hero. Now, I don't do that anymore. Right? Because I have people to help me do that. But here's the point. That was my job. Because I'm part of that body. Am I, am I helping you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it brought satisfaction to me. Not just because the toilet wasn't rocking. I did something in the body of Christ. All you did was fix a toilet. See, you're missing it. It's, that's not all I did. I made the body of Christ better. When, when you vacuum these floors, when you pick up the trash, when you disinfect, when you sanitize the doorknobs, not just for the season we're in, we do that all the time, but when you do that, you're making it better for your brother, your sister, you're making it better for the people that come to church. We are making it better for our body. And grace will grow on you. Hallelujah. When, when, when God really re revealed the word to us. Pastor Michelle and I were going to a certain church in Kansas City. And uh, I was always front row mafia. You understand? I, I was always in the splash zone. And because I was so excited about the things of God. And I was determined. We was going to that church. I knew I had a call of God on my life. But I'd made the decision. I'm going to sit right here on this front row and serve that man of God for the rest of my life. That's it. That's what I'm going to do what I'm going to do. 
Amen. And I had people say, well, you don't got to go to church tonight. No, you're right. I don't have to. I get to. Amen. And I'm going to church. I, I would have to work late. And I, and I live miles from the church. I live in Kansas City, Kansas, and our church was in Grandview, Missouri. So it's 45 minutes away from there. I'd get, I'd get in and go to church. Will you be 15, 20 minutes late? Yeah, and? Yeah. I still get to eat. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you something. I wanted to be a part of the body. Now, that obviously was not where God had called us to uh, forever, but that was my mindset. And when God started dealing with me that I was to leave that body and go and move into the ministry that he had called me to be in, I did not take that lightly. Why? I'm part of that body. You with me? And to just uproot myself and go without talking about it. Not getting permission because I knew what I needed to do. But talk about it. And I remember I went in and sat down in his office. And and tears started coming out of his eyes. And he looked at me and he goes, so when you leaving? God had already dealt with him. And I said, well, this was the plan. And he, if you talk to that man of God today, he will still say, Philip and Michelle didn't leave our church. They were called from our church. Yeah. Why? I don't want to hurt the body. Yeah. The, the thing with the, the season that the world's in, you, you know, you know the, 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 the thing that, that gets me is, you know, even with, and, and I'll, 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 I'll say the unmentionable word, with the virus that's going around, all right? I mean, I understand the percentages. I, I understand who it affects the most, and I understand that the majority of people that encounter it will recover with no problem. But here's the thing. I have sheep to care for. Right? Now, understand why I'm saying that. That comes from the heart of not wanting to hurt the body. I don't want to do anything to hurt the body. Amen. (laughs) Do you see this? You do, don't you? Vanessa does. She knows. That's right. Now, Now, why is this important? Because if I had not taken that step, and been concerned about the body, there are things God couldn't have brought into my life later. The way you treat what you do in the local church will determine what God can do for you down the road. If you treat what you're doing as light, God will treat what you want as light. Amen. I remember the day I was sitting in the minister's conference, and Pastor Caldwell was ministering. And we had a relationship with the Caldwells, but the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to follow his faith. If you go into my study at home, I have those notes that I was taking when the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to follow his faith. And then there's a picture of Pastor Caldwell imparting into me, and I've got, I've, I've actually, Kim, and, and I asked them to get it made up for me, and it's very, very nicely done. That, that's behind my desk. Well, that means something to me. God brought people of value and people of renown and people that could impart into my life those things I needed because of my concern for the body. When the body matters to you, God can do more for you. 
Do you see this? And so there are things you can miss if I don't rightly discern my place in the body. When Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians and he said, For this cause many are weak, weak and sickly among you. What was the cause? Not rightly discerning the Lord's body. Well, that can mean the bread and the wine, but it can also mean that there are things that, can, that, that you won't walk in if you don't rightly discern the Lord's body. This is the Lord's body. And that's why the Bible says don't, don't treat your fellow believers certain ways. Don't lie to them. Don't be ugly to them. Don't be rude to them. Don't be offended. Why? That's part of your body. That's part of your body. Right? I've never seen anybody go, stupid arm. I'm offended at you. I know, I know that's humorous, right? But you think that person's crazy, offended at their arm, mad at their arm. Well, why would you be mad at the arm sitting next to you? Or offended at the eye sitting next to you? You need that person. Look, look at your name and say, I need you. Hallelujah. Did you ever find Acts 13? Verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Now notice where these men were in the church. Such as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now right there in those verses, we see Jews, white boys, and black guys. All right? Because it says, it says uh, Simeon that was called Niger, that was his nickname. Uh, he was a black guy. And so that's what they called him. Amen. And uh, uh, Lucius of Cyrene and Manion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now that, that, that word Niger, it means dark. It means black. Now my point that I'm making is, notice there were, there were prophets. There were prophets and teachers. And there were some Jews. At, at, at least one black guy. And non-Jews. In the church. And they all had a place. They were all either prophets or teachers. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I've called them to. And when they'd fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. And they, being sent forth of the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So it's important to note they didn't just go, they were sent. They were sent. So being sent forth, he didn't say, I'm calling them to it. The ministry that I have, I'm calling them to. The ministry that I've called them to. So what does that mean? Everyone in here has something you're called to. Every person. And there's a grace for it. But notice, this was a point of separation under that thing. Separation means a divider. 
separate me, divide Barnabas and Saul from everyone else for the work that I've called them to. Separates one thing from another. Separation goes both ways. You're separating from something to another thing. I'm separating from this to something. Right? Remember I said I started out doing everything. But there, were, there came a time I was separated from youth pastor and separated to this. So whatever you're doing, there will come a time, perhaps, that you're separated from it, but you'll be separated to something. Glory to God. It was necessary for them to do what they had done up till that point to be ready. They had to be prepared. So what you're doing right now is necessary. It's necessary. What you're doing is necessary. Tell your neighbor, what you're doing is necessary. Amen. Do you see this? God leads us from one place and one part to the next. And it prepares us. Well, I was doing this and now I'm doing that. You were prepared for what you're doing now. Now, notice I didn't say from church to church. From place to place. In the body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had a guy one time that, that had a tremendous anointing on his life, but, but he, didn't, he didn't have any preparation, really didn't have a lot of discipline. And uh, he started coming to the church, and he kept talking to me about, Pastor, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know what God wants me to do? I said, here's what you do. You stay faithful with what you're doing, and he'll start showing you more. So he got on the usher team and just was faithful. I mean, he'd show up at that time. They, they wore wine-colored shirts and black pants. And every boy, every week, he's there in his press shirt, wine-colored shirt, black tie, black pants on the front row. Amen. Well, then the time came, they needed somebody in the AV. Well, he didn't know anything about the AV, but he volunteered. When he's not ushering, he's in the AV. Right? What's happening? He's growing. The anointing's increasing on his life. And then what did God do? Eventually God put him in a place. I, I had to take over the children's ministry because children's ministries quit, uh, ministers quit. So I took over the children's ministry and the thing just exploded. Well, why did it explode? The gift of the pastor draws people. Things just exploded. And so I, I needed help. And so I recruited him. And what he started doing, he came back, did Deputy Dugan, Rover Comer, all the puppets. Amen. Using his voice, working, getting up under that anointing, helping me minister to children. Amen. We had, we, we had two services, one at 9 and one at 11. I would preach at the 9 o'clock, Pastor Michelle would preach at the 11, and I'd pastor the kids. Well, here's the point. Slowly but surely, God's moving him along. Amen. Then he started helping me preach on the streets and our outreaches. And so we're preaching, and he's preaching. And he started with five minutes, and then ten minutes, and then twenty minutes, and then I couldn't shut him up. <laughs> Hallelujah. But here's the point. The anointing just increased. The anointing just increased. But where did it start? Sitting on the front row, ushering. 
if you could see where you're going to be because of your commitment to show up and be a part of the body, it would increase your excitement about what you're doing. Yeah, but I'm really not doing nothing. I'm just here. Oh, so you're just here supporting us. You're just here supporting the body. You're just here bringing your supply. You understand that? Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. And when you show up and say, I'm going to do my part tonight. I'm going to show up ready to receive. I'm going to show up full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to show up having, having fed my spirit the Word. And I'm going to sit down with my notebook and say, dish it up, Pastor. I want all you got. Right? What will happen? God will give it to you. The, the ministries that God calls alongside. I heard somebody say this today. They said, they said, they said, we do everything that we do so pastor can do everything he's supposed to do. That's so important. That's so important. Because that's a supply. That's not just doing something. That's not just working. You're aiding the whole body. Do you see that? Oh, glory to God. Think about that. There is something ultimately that God has for us. And if we'll stay hooked, everybody say stay hooked. If I'll stay hooked and stay in our preparation and stay in the place he put us. Here's an important thing. And stay with the people he placed us with. He'll develop us. He'll develop us. Amen. When God told me to follow my pastor's faith, that settled it. That's who I'm hooked to. That'll never change. Well, how can you be sure? Because God doesn't do things flippantly. Right? I have people in this church, they'll come and they'll say, you're my spiritual father. I'm fine with that. But understand, I didn't put that desire in your heart and you didn't think that up. That's something the Holy Spirit said to you. Don't take that lightly. Because there's something in the anointing on this house that God's trying to get into you. And he says it's going to come through that channel. When you call someone your pastor, you've said something. Because you're saying, that's a conduit into my life. That, when people say, oh, that's my preacher, they miss it. They're not getting what that gift's about. This is not the gift of preaching. This is the gift of the pastor. And the gift of the pastor can speak into your life things that no other gift can speak into your life. Why? Because that's the stability gift. That's the gift that brings rooting and grounding in the things of God. And God will speak things to you. And so when you say, that's my pastor, that's my pastor, that's Pastor Michelle, that's Pastor Steele, they are my pastors. You're saying, they have the voice of God for me in my life. Not the only voice. I know that there are other voices that you can receive from. But the main voice should be the head of the body that God placed you in. Ah, hallelujah. So we'll develop to the point that we're able for Him to separate us to the main ultimate thing He's called us to do. God brings you to a local church because it's safe. I've told ministers in the church, in our, in our churches over the years, I was talking to one not too long ago, and he said, Pastor, you know, it's so easy to preach in our church. I said, that's for two reasons. I said, number one, the people are hungry. And I said, number two, you're not functioning in your own anointing. 
You're functioning in the anointing that's on the house. Right? There, 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 there's something even in, in, in I, I run marathons, even in running a marathon, called drafting. Drafting. In, in other words, if you want to rest a little bit while you're running, you just get behind somebody and you draft. They're breaking the wind. And you're running, you're running in their wake. It's, if you watch NASCAR, there's got to be some good old boys in here that's watching NASCAR, right? Yeah. It's, it's the same way. They, they, they draft behind one another. Right? Well, that's what happens when you're learning to function in the anointing that God's called you to is when you get an opportunity to speak, you get up there and it's like, my God, this is the easiest thing in the world. Well, why? You're drafting in someone's anointing. The ground's already been plowed behind the pulpit. You don't have to break anything up. It's already, it's already broke up. The ground is easy. The service is easy. The people are receptive. Why is that important? It's safe. If you want a child to learn something, make it easy for them to learn. Right? If you make it hard, they won't want to learn it. Right? And so, if you want to enjoy the perfect will of God, you have to do the perfect will of God for your life. If you want to enjoy it, you got to do it. Hallelujah. I've had people say, what would you be if you weren't a pastor? Never crosses my mind. Why would I think about doing something else? I've been doing this now going on 23 full-time years and I'm more excited about it now than I've ever been. Well, how's that possible? Because the grace just keeps growing. The ability just keeps growing. When, when you can open the Word of God and read a scripture that you've read, you know, 150, 250 times, and yet something will jump out and speak to you all over again and just turn your head inside out. Wow. That's exciting. Amen. Do you see this? Now, Matthew twenty two fourteen. Notice what it says. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm looking at my time. If you'll give me five minutes, we'll be done. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew twenty two fourteen. He said, in essence, many are called, but few are chosen. Is that what he said? Why are few chosen? Because few choose to separate. Many are called, but few are chosen. Few choose to separate. Paul and Barnabas could have refused to separate. And that's why millions never get in their place. They never get in their place. I, uh, when I was uh, 17, 18 years of age, uh, I was living in Amarillo, Texas, uh, actually working at a church called Greater Faith Tabernacle. And uh, uh, there were probably four or five guys that we all lived in a house behind the church. And, and we were starving, but we loved it. And, uh, but, you know, I mean, we were typical teenage guys. I mean, in the sense that, that we weren't always walking around spiritual talking in tongues. 
uh, you know, we'd, we'd go play ball and, and do different things. But we were hungry for the things of God. And, man, I remember some of the prayer meetings we had. We would just, it was just, I mean, here we are teenagers, and we're praying the power down. I mean, the glory of God's coming down. We, we would go out and witness on, on Amarillo Boulevard. And, and I remember one night we were in a park, and people just kept gathering around us, and we were preaching the gospel and getting people saved, getting people born again. And, you know, I don't know if we were fearless or just stupid, but <laughs> Amarillo Boulevard was, and, and I don't know all the, the seedy districts of Little Rock, but Amarillo Boulevard was where uh, all the prostitution was. Uh, at that time it's like there's a street in Kansas City called Independence Avenue that's how that is but we would go and, and we'd witness to the girls and and witness to the pimps we had one pimp pulled a knife on us and threatened us well you know I mean we're, we're just young and fearless right but he, here's my point we're excited about the things of God we're finding our place I'm the only one out of that group still born again I'm the only one that's doing anything for God. One, one, of the guy, two, one of the guys is dead. Two of them got sent to prison. And another one, I think he just backslid. Last time I saw him, he was backslid. But the, the point that I'm making, I'm, I'm not running them down or, or making myself sound better. At some point, even though I made some mistakes in my life and, and was a little rebellious for a time, I figured something out. The plan of God for my life is never going to be realized if I don't get in his body and go after it. And there were guys in that group that could preach me under the table. There were guys that were anointed in that group that made my anointing look like an ant's anointing. It's just the way it was. Now, what, what's the difference? Because here's the thing. I was willing to separate. They weren't willing to separate. You have to be willing to leave behind one thing and go by faith and find the other. Oh, glory. Do you see this? Now, look at Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 6. This, uh, I think... I think this will be it. I only got four pages of notes. <laughs> That's a good thing about four pages of notes. You can preach a little bit and come back. You know, it's kind of like Thanksgiving dinner. You know, you eat on it for a month. <laughs> Hallelujah. What are you eating on? Turkey. You tired of turkey yet? Mm-mm. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts different according to the graces given to us, rather prophecy let us prophesy according to our proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So one of the meanings there is whatever you do, do it with zeal. Devote yourself to it. Whatever it is. I'm going to be the best. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is. Now, that can seem simple. But, but, but think about that. If you've got a person that's doing something and they're just doing it to be doing it, 
They're not devoted themselves to it. In the church, and I'll wrap up with this, in the body, in the day we live in, all the time, but especially in the day we live in, what is needed more than anything else is just faithful people that you know that you can depend on, and when the time comes that you need them, they're going to show up. Amen. That's important. Why? Because everything God wants to do for you hinges on the way you treat His body. When, uh, let me fold this up so you'll see I'm quitting. When, in Acts chapter 9, when the Lord Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, I know you know this, but I'm a good pastor and a good teacher, so I ask you to audience participation. It says, there came a voice from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou thought Saul was persecuting the church. Jesus said, you're persecuting me. Anything you do for the local church, you do for Jesus. And anything you do for Jesus, Jesus rewards. Because this is his body. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. And so the season that we may find ourselves in, the church's job hasn't changed. The purpose for the church hasn't changed. I I am not one of those people, and I never will be one of those people. Look, here's the bottom line, and, and, and I'll say this like I told them this morning. Tomorrow morning, when we get up, the Bible says we are, this is the day the Lord has made, and that we will rejoice and be glad in it. Everything in the natural does not challenge that. The call of God has not changed on your life because you've lived through a pandemic. If God called you to something, He didn't say, except 2020, there will be a pandemic and you get off the hook. No. Rather, He's speaking to us and telling it's time. He said the months of May through November, we're in November, were precious to him. Because he said there's going to be spiritually hungry men and women that have lost hope, and they're going to be looking for hope. So I'm prepared. Well, I'll tell you what, if this guy is in the office, or if this guy, listen, there's one guy that's in the main office. That guy is Jesus. That settles the issue. And Jesus is not a Democrat or a Republican. This this is so important. That's got to be your mindset. Well, what if this happens tomorrow? If it does, what does that change? You still have something to do for God. When you stand before God, He's going to say, What did you do with the part I wanted you to play in my body. And there will be no excuse. Well, you know, but my family. Any man that loves father, mother, houses, brothers, sisters, land more than me is not worthy of me. That's what he said. He didn't say hate him. He didn't say not have anything to do with him. 
We sing a song when I was a boy growing up in church, and it went like this. If mama don't go, won't hinder me. If mama don't go, won't hinder me. If mama don't go, won't hinder me. I'm on my way. Praise God, I'm on my way. That's a simple song. I know, but we meant it. If you come, fine. If you don't, fine. I'm going. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And that's got to be your mindset. Because the, the, at the end of the day, if I can use that tired phrase, at the end of the day, no one's going to stand before God for you. No one's going to stand before Jesus for you. You're going to stand there on your own. And as a believer, he's not going to ask you, were you saved? He's going to ask you, what would you do with what I asked you to do? Amen. So say it out loud. Say, I have a part of the body of Christ. And I'll fulfill my part in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We'll stand up, everyone. I hope you receive tonight. Glory to God. Somebody was talking to my wife about me one time, and uh, she made the statement. She said, well, here's what I know. He may not be a lot of things, but he's the most committed man you'll ever meet. I, I realize commitment will take you a long way. Commitment will overcome your mistakes. Commitment will overcome your failures. Because you're committed to something. The very first message I ever preached as a very young boy, just a boy preacher, was committed to the purpose. Just being committed to the purpose. Preached on how Uriah, you know, David called Uriah in. And he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, remember? And, 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 and she was pregnant. And David thought, i got to cover this up. So he called Uriah in and said, now go down there and, and sleep with your wife. And Uriah said, no, 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 no. He said, the, uh, the army and Joab and the ark are in the field. He said, how can I do that? And he went and slept in the, in the gate with the, the servants. And the next night, David got mad at him, brought him in, got him drunk. Got him drunk. Man after God's own heart got another guy drunk. But anyway. But here's the point. He said, now go to your home. And he wouldn't do it. So the next day David called him in, signed a note, told Joab, put Uriah in the heat of the battle so he'll be killed. Rolled it up, sealed it, gave it to Uriah. Uriah was so committed he carried his own death notice. And never looked, never questioned it. That's committed to the purpose. What God has called you to is the greatest single thing in your life. It trumps everything else. So, Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for ministering to us. I thank you for visiting us. Thank you for blessing us. Lord, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, they're precious to you and they're precious to me. And I thank you for the opportunity to be your under-shepherd. And I thank you for the position that you've given me. And I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would bless every person under the sound of my voice. And I pray that they would enjoy the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Son, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that your face would shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them, and that you would bless them. 
And I thank you, Father, that they are protected from all hurt, harm, and danger. Every diseased German virus dies instantly if it touches their body. And I thank you, Father, that they are called, that they are appointed, that they are justified, and they are precious, as you said in your word, your precious jewels. And I thank you for them. In the name of Jesus, amen.